I got a tip from uh, friends because I think working as a corporate finance in investment banking, you always have like you know fundamental analysis and all this to make your investment you know successful. Sometimes you always need like a, a tips from a friends, which I got is is there was an investment into the stock called Dongwar or the I think it's still trading today. It's called TH. My friends had always all these stories. Always they have all these plan etc. This is like a punch pun pun. Is this like punching stock right? right? Punching stock. So you should yeah like you, know, you could go in. And out quickly. Right? All these stories. I I did some source checking. Finally, I asked my dad for some money. Okay, my friend specifically told me that if it goes above three bar, I should sell. The stock is not that liquid when we when we enter into it. So it take like a day or two. So we enter into about two point five bar at the time, and then a week later, etc. I found out the stocks went up to three each. Right, but the volume was so liquid. So I decided to go against my advice because of greed. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever: stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Olan Sutiwed. Olan, are you ready to rock? Uh, we're good. <laughs> All right. So let me tell the audience a little bit about you. You're currently the VP of Thailand Investment Banking and Capital Markets at Credit Suisse, based in Bangkok. Olan hmm. joined Credit Suisse in 2014 and has over 12 years of extensive investment banking experience in equity, equity-linked, debt financing, and M&A advisory transactions. Prior to joining Credit Suisse, Olan was an associate director in the investment banking department at UBS Securities Thailand and was responsible for client coverage and origination. Before relocating back to Bangkok, he worked in the fixed income currencies and commodities at UBS Hong Kong and was responsible for sales and distribution of financial products like bonds, derivatives, and commodities to Thai clients. Olan started his career in investment banking as an analyst at Patra Securities, based in Bangkok, and he graduated from the University of California, Santa Barbara, with a bachelor's of arts degree in business economics, with an emphasis in accounting, and holds an MBA from Sassen Graduate Institute of Business Administration. Olan, take a minute, fill in any further tidbits of your life. Well, I currently married with two wonderful children, very happy. So I think that's another. Thing that I want to add. I'm very happy. <laughs> That's the key to life. So many people are searching for happiness. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment, <laughs> it will be. Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it, and then tell us your story. Mm. My worst investment actually happened over a decade ago. It was when I was at Satsin. Still, you know. Trying to complete my uh, MBA, I got the tips from uh, uh, friends, right? Because I think working as a corporate finance in investment banking, you always have like you know fundamental analysis and all this to make your investment you know successful. Sometimes you always need like a, a tips from a friends, which I got is is there was an investment into the stock called Dongwar or the I think it's still trading today. It's called TH. My friends had always all these stories. Always they have all these plan, etc. This is like a punch pun pun. Is this like punching stock, right? right? Punching stock. So you should yeah like you, know, you go in. And out quickly. Right? All these stories. I I did some source checking. Finally, I asked my dad for some money, about three hundred, 
thousand Thai baht, right? So at the time, it was still quite a lot. Mm. Uh, it was still a lot today. You sell. Okay, my friend specifically told me that if it goes above three baht, that you sell, right? Of course, when we were at school, you know, I don't trade stocks every day. The stock is not that liquid when we when we enter into it. So it takes like a day or two. So we enter into about two point five baht at the time, and then a few. I mean, a week later, etc. I found out the stocks went up to three three each, right? But the volume was so liquid. So I decided to go against my my advice because of greed. And I, I let it run for me a day or two. And what happened is that the stocks crashed. It went floors for, for, you know, for a couple of days. <laughs> and and the, the floor in Thailand for our global audience mm. means down 30% in a day? Correct. Uh, there's a ceiling and floor yeah. on uh, any given trading day. So it's, it's unlike in the, in the States where there's no limit to yeah. the trading price, right? The fl- it floors on 30% of the first day, and then the later, the next day, it just opened up at the floors again, right? I decided to exit at below two baht, right? So I end up lost, losing, you know, 20%-ish. So, so I think that is pretty much the, the story, right? You know, I think mm-hmm. embarrassment, but it, it actually taught me a lot, right? To, so let's, let's review mm, what, what sure, did you sure. learn from this story. First, uh, don't let greed overcome your judgment, right? In all investment, you should have a clear path, uh, target price that you should exit. Doesn't matter what, uh, if it reached, I think you should, you know, take, uh, unless you have a new information that lead, lead to, you know, why you, you, you should continue to hold or not to, you know, sell, right? You should, you should follow your initial target. Uh, I think it takes discipline to master your, your emotion. Mm. Uh, I think it's like gambling as always, you know, it's always, you know, if you win more, you always want to win a bit more, right? But again, I think uh, the great trader that all have read is yeah, they, all fo- they all follow their disciplines and make decision, you know, because it's always win and lose. You, you're always going to win some, lose some. Yeah. Mm. So let me summarize what I take away from your story mm. and let me know if I missed anything. Now, after now doing yep. many, many interviews with people, we have now mm. classified the mistakes that people make into six major classifications. Mm. And the first one is fail to do their own research. And I think what's a very common mm. mistake that people make, particularly in the beginning, mm. when they're just starting investing, mm. is that they invest upon a tip. And basically, yep. a, fr- a friend, a broker, somebody calls them. And then they don't Mm. do their own research. And I think that's the first thing that I take away from this is that for the audience, you know, it's important. Now, the question that you have to deal with is like, were you really prepared to do research anyways then? (laughs) You know, like, Mm. what did you Mm. know about research at the time? Like, so even the idea of doing research, you have to step back Mm. even further and say, should I really be buying individual stocks? Mm. You know, and mm. so there, there are some of those things that, that made me think mm. about. And the other thing mm. is that um, the second major area that people make mm. mistake is what I call fail to properly assess risk. And mm. I think that one of the risks that you mentioned is a very common risk, which is illiquidity in an investment. And sometimes mm. an Ill- illiquid investment can have very erratic price movements. Mm. 
And so yeah. what, what you've described is something that we say, what we call gapping down. So even mm. if you had put in a stop loss or something like that, sometimes in a gap down situation, yep. it, it could go down by 30%. Your stop loss was at 10%, but it opened mm. at the at the floor. And so yep. unless, if it's a large company with a lot of liquidity, you know, things mm. are going to go terrible to be able to not yep. to have that happen. But with a small one, a gap mm. down is a very common thing. So mm. those are some of the things I take away from it. Is there anything I mm. missed? No, I think one interesting is that it's about the first one that I think uh, it's about the research, right? Obviously, this company is very small. It's doing some, some sort of printing. I didn't do much intel or research into the company itself, but I did do research about my source. Whether, you know, uh, uh, so I was confident that those tip was real, and it was. It wasn't my friend's mistake, you know. He was just trying to help, you know, you know sharing the, 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 the wealth, right? Uh, but I think the mistake happened because of my own greed, right? I think I, I wasn't disciplined enough. Uh, I didn't take profit when I was supposed to, right? And there was a window, right? I mean, if you remember, there was a window. When the stock rally, uh, there's a lot of liquidity, right? And I should have taken that profit, right? If I took the profit, I would, I would never have a make a loss. <laughs> mm, yep, yep, yep. I think that's yeah, another point that I, think I would like to share with friends. Right? If, you, if you make profit, you will never make a loss. No, no matter how big it, or small it was, it's still a profit. At least you know, you're not losing any money. So that's, that's, that's one thing that I learned uh, that I took away from that exercise. And the other thing that I would mention mm. is about this concept mm. of tip. Basically, in the mm. stock market, everybody's trying to say, I got a tip from a friend. Uh, this guy gave me a tip. I've got mm. it. And um, some, in some cases, what they'll say is, I got an insider tip. Mm. Now, I think it's important to distinguish here because if somebody is an actual insider to a company and mm. they, they breach their obligation to the company mm. by revealing an inside information mm. to somebody outside, that person yep. has done a violation and the person who is trading on it has also violated the insider trading rules and laws. But what my experience is after many years in the market is that 99.9999% of the time mm. that people say, I've got a tip. It's simply because they have been doing research on the company. They're getting, they're getting public information and they're, mm. pa they're packaging it to to people mm. as, hey, I got the inside scoop. But what I found is that almost always, um, mm. because it would be very rare that somebody would get that information mm. um, and then spread it around like that. So that's Correct. another very important thing that yep. you know, we wanna make sure when we're trading, we're trading on public information. Correct. Now also, one thing about um, this, mm. interesting uh, for the listeners that I would say is that, um, what we call insider trading is non-public or material mm. non-public information. And it has to be material. If it's non-public information, such as I found out that a company has a, the head of sales has just resigned. Mm. Well, is it material? Nah, it's probably not going to move the stock price. Mm. Is, it, is it a significant piece of information? Yes. Is it private? It hasn't been disclosed. Yes. Can I, mm. trade on, can I trade on that? According to CFA guidelines, you can mm. trade on that because it's not material, even though it's non-public. Mm. So I think these are mm. important things that we learn when we're in the markets and 
you know, we always want to make sure that everybody's thinking mm. about these things rather than taking the risk because mm. you don't ever want to do insider trading because then you're going to get in trouble. Specifically, working in a global bank now, the compliance is very strict. So uh, I, every time I want to trade, uh, I need to get, you know, my seniors' uh, uh, approvals and also compliance department approval. Uh, given it's so troublesome, so uh, since I joined uh, UBS in you know 2010, I haven't really actively traded individual stocks now. So what I do is that I just buy into the mutual funds, etc. Because then, then it's much easier. You let the professional manage for you, and then it's in a way you you don't have to overcome your a hard decision. Oh, whether I want to take profit now. So that's an, another easy way out if you don't have time, right? Which in, in my line of work, I deal with sensitive information. And a lot of times I'm in meetings. I can't trade, you know, uh, you know, instantaneously because I need to get approvals. So how I deal with this situation is that I simply just, you know, put my money into a mutual fund or buy a real estate. Yep. Per se. And yep. I did the same thing, particularly as I went to mm. Citibank. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, when I started working there, I just, because I was also small, covering small cap companies. Mm. And then you run into a lot of potential conflicts. Like, <laughs> should I cover this company? Would I buy mm -hmm. it? So I just did the exact same thing. And I think a lot of financial professionals mm. do the same. Well, that's yep. great. All right. Well, yep. listeners, that is another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com as we wrap up. Olan, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Uh, stay focused and be disciplined. Thank you. Right on. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.